my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 40th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. Since it's still Creator Week, we are not going to do any news or what I've been watching. So we're just going to get right on into today's topic. So a few months ago, I was on Twitter, which as anyone would know, I am a lot, when a very skilled artist I follow posted art of a magical girl with white hair and a pink skirt and wings and she was so cute. That artist was Inez Bravo, and the art she shared was so charming. (laughs) Soon she began to share other characters and mentioned that she was working on this with another artist I followed, so I knew I just had to have them both on the podcast right away. We have done the two-creator interview before, back in episode 18, but this time was a little different as everyone was in a different part of the world. So the series is called Trinket, and the artist, Inés, is in Portugal, while the writer and editor, Isa, is based in Quebec, Canada. Luckily, we were all able to find a time that worked and had this really wonderful discussion. Magical girls are often about teamwork and friendship, And you can definitely hear that power of friendship when listening to Inez and Isa talk about this project. It was a really lovely conversation with the both of them about their inspirations, their respective experiences with the genre, and what they're bringing us with this webcomic. As of this recording, there is no release date for the series, nor is the Patreon up yet. But when we know more information, you'll get an update in a future news segment of the podcast as well as within this episode. For now, we have links from Inez's Twitter in the show notes, where you can see visual references to the characters we discuss on the podcast. Please check them out as they are simply stunning, and don't forget to check out the work both creators have already put out there. So with that, let's get into our conversation with Inez and Isa of Trinket. So uh, today we're going to be talking with some Magical Girl creators about their current project, and I'm very excited to talk to them both. So can you please introduce yourselves? Hello, my name is Iza. I am a webcomic creator. I've been working on webcomics for the better part of a decade. I also work as an editor. I work at the webcomic-oriented publisher Hiveworks and Slipshine, and I've had my own webcomic for, again, the better part of a decade uh, called Namesake, which is about fairy tales, which are not magical girls. So magical girls are like my second obsession. (laughs) I'm here to talk specifically about the second obsession, though. Great. And Isa, what are your pronouns? Uh, She and they. Great. Okay. And Inez, would you like to go next? (laughs) Yes. Hello. I'm Inez Mediabrav. I'm a freelance artist. I have experience working as a colorist, penciler, 
overall just some experience in comics and my preferred pronouns are she her great so i guess to start do you have a title yet for this project we do we actually picked one pretty early on kind of had like a working title that was like the princess of saturn okay for a little bit but at some point uh i suggested the title trinket to the story because first of all it's a really cute name but it has also a lot of symbolism behind it because the idea of a trinket is sort of the idea of like an object that's pretty and semi-precious and magical girls usually have you know little trinkets that they use to transform Hmm. and it's also the idea of like something that's kind of hidden sort of put it away in a little jewelry box for a while uh, which has something to do with the story themes, which we'll get into. And it has sort of a really nice symmetrical look to it because it starts with a T and it ends with a T. So we could like put a little wing motif with it. So it just felt like aesthetically and thematically it was really neat. <laughs> Great. So Trinket, it's a very cute name. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll start from the beginning uh, about your history. Which of you would like to start? Yeah, I can start. Our history together, we started I at a webcomic that I was working on called Heartwin, and I wanted to partner up with Hiveworks, which I had heard a lot about. And eventually I heard back from Isa, one of the editors that works at Hiveworks. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of was just struggling with my comic at the time. I think I was just reaching a point where I just needed to work on something else. Mm -hmm. And eventually I just came to Isa and I was like, hey, I still want to work with you, but I'm not feeling my current comic, but I've been having this idea about magical girls. And I just dropped a bunch of info on her and it was very exciting. We already worked really well together. We just kind of meshed well. Uh, every conversation was kind of electrifying. We, we just enjoyed talking to each other. So the moment I, I sprung up the idea of like, magical girls, please, let's work on this. She was like, yes, let's. <laughs> let's please work on this. And it was great. It's been great since. Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I really like magical girls. Personally, I kind of grew up on them because I'm a 90s child. So every like initially licensed manga for girls was a magical girl thing except Escaflone. Mm-hmm. which is great and everybody should watch Escaflone, and it's technically kind <laughs> of a magical girl story <laughs> but we were talking about Heartwin and we we actually did a full editorial dissection of Heartwin to sort of see like what points were interesting what points were uh to be kept what points would be elaborated on and I think the issue with stuff like Heartwin is because it's a story that uh, Enos has been working on for so long and I think when you work on webcomics for a real long time like it's a story from your childhood mm. often it's a sort of playground in your head when mm. you want to think about a scene or you want to relax and sort of make a music video in your mind or you want to think about <laughs> a really dramatic scene you kind of always go back to those characters so when you're trying to fit those characters to a more generic publishing schedule you sort of end up in this situation where it becomes really hard to change things and 
you're not really sure what's good anymore because in your head everything seems good because this sort of becomes your like your relaxing playground your playthings hmm Yes, that's very true. It just had too much going on. And I also started working on it as a teenager. So, you know, I just kept stuff and I kept adding more stuff. I was like, this is such a deep story. It has so much <laughs> going on. People will never see it coming. I know all these tiny little details. And then when it came to talk about it, I was just like, oh, this tiny little detail is so important, right? super important it was too much and it's just really the fat needed to be trimmed yeah it felt like two different stories oh yes which is kind of what i said when we we started working on it and basically these stories that you have since you're a teenager they become very heavy unless you kind of take the time to really pick them apart which is also an experience i had to do like the webcomic i'm doing now namesake is not a childhood kept trinket that's the <laughs> oh title drop <laughs> because you know i actually made it up a year before i started working on it but i do have another story that i'm trying to turn into a graphic novel which is a story i've had since i was teen and that's much more of a grueling work hmm. and you know i actually edit things for a living and even i have trouble letting go of some things that i know are not useful to the story Sure. So, you know, Ines was having this first experience where it's this comic that she's always worked on that now needed to be sort of formatted. And it's like, it's really hard, especially since there was already a version of Heartwind that, you know, was attempted in kind of this Holmes-Stuckian format. So, you know, we had a meeting and I thought we made some really good progress. And I think Ines was really into the progress as well. But when it's that story that's so old and that's so present in your mind, there's always like an emotional pushback. Sure. And I feel like what got Ines out of that emotional pushback was Magical Girls. Yes. I think I was just struggling with a lot at the time. This all, I think it all started last year, actually, when these meetings were happening. And I think I was just kind of having a lot and the comic was just one of the things and I just needed something very self-indulgent so Magical Girls is something that I always I never thought of making a comic but it is something that I think about I love thinking about creating my own Magical Girl whatever universe it may be in it's just always been a source of comfort and Definitely something that I bring up if I want to connect with someone. I just I just think they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Actually, I personally find this interesting, but of course it makes sense. Issa said she's a 90s kid, so of course they like magical girls. But when I first suggested the idea, she did her job as an editor. She was amazing. She was like, here's how to make this work. This is what we should focus on. Uh, and I was like, thanks, great, oh, this is amazing. But it wasn't until I think a few weeks later, she was like, I love magical girls. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> what? And she was like, yeah, I have like this merch and I, I love I love this and I love that. And I was like, oh, oh, you do? And, and I think maybe it just slipped me or something, but it was just that moment I was like, oh, so we really are working on something great here. We really found something that connected with both of us. <laughs> yeah, I was always kind of working on it with Ines. Like, obviously, she really trusts me as an editor, so we were working on it. But, you know, I was kind of going above and beyond 
editorial in terms of helping with the story. So at some point, Eunice was like, do you just want to like write this? And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes, I do. Please, oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I would love that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs> Honestly, how I remember it was just us just kind of like, I have this idea. And she's like, that's great. And I have this idea. I'm like, oh, I love that. Do you want to write? Yes. And it was just... <laughs> There you go. That's all they took. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And I also think because I'm also an artist, like I illustrate and co-write namesake, but I'm also happy I'm not illustrating Trinket because <laughs> Ines is so much stronger than me. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. And also the style just works way better because like I love Magical Girls. I love them so much and I'm going to get into like the Magical Girls I've loved since childhood, but I don't find I have a style that works with them that well. Like, I don't have that airy quality. Like, if you look at the art of Namesake, it's perfect for fairy tales because it's so, like, heavy and it's really perfect for black and white. But it sort of lacks this whole lightness and, and glitter. But, you know, this has got that super down. <sighs> so it's really nice to work on it and just focus on pages structurally. Because the way I've been writing is I've been actually composing the pages with Ines. And it's really fun to have all that experience that I have in thumbnailing being put to use. But I can just focus on the page design without having to be like, how should I finish this? How should I do this? Because obviously Ines, powerful <laughs> beast that she is. I'm like, can you draw like <laughs> castles around a planet? And oh she's my like, goodness. yeah, man. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> Oh God, mm -hmm. I'm blushing so much. Honestly, she's amazing. Like <laughs> she helps me with thumbnails. Like honestly, I feel like so inadequate sometimes, but she's like, oh, you're great. Here you go. Here's some help. And then I go off and try to use what Issa gives me and I try to make something with it. So far it's been working, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very fluid. Hmm. But that's that's kind of what you want if you're working in a partnership with someone on something hmm. you want this aspect of thing where it feels like you're complimentary like i i talk to people sometimes they're working in a team and they're like always complaining and you're like oh. well, it's kind of a bad relationship like oh, wow. it's yeah you know it's a bit like being in a couple in a way hmm. there's things that are very obvious red flags and there's an infatuation period and there's a period where you sort of settle in and really work with the person and I think it's important to sort of realize that in a like in a professional partnership, especially a creative one, that there is these aspects. And I feel like we navigated the infatuation period where we're both just starting on a project and being like, yes, oh my God, glitter everywhere, <laughs> to a period where we're like, yeah, this works. This works really well. We're like ready to commit to a working relationship, you know? Hmm, I see. Well, yeah, it definitely sounds like you both are working together really well and uh, I just want to say that I love both of your art styles very much <laughs> yeah so they're so different it's so cool how different they are <laughs> <laughs> they are very different but you know I do think like Isa I can understand what you're saying about your art style being very suited for uh, namesake but I do think that the magical girl genre is one that can fit all kinds of art styles so um you know, there's still a chance you might draw one someday. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely drawing the characters for fun. I mean, one of the characters is purely my character design, and I'm very proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pierogi, you god. Oh, you designed pierogi. 
Pierogi is so great. <laughs> I designed pierogi, and we can we can definitely get into him a bit later. But I'm very proud of my design of pierogi. <laughs> Creature design has definitely fallen on me, but I, I like him very plump. <laughs> Part of why I wouldn't have engaged a magical girl story by myself, and I mean I say that, but I had like a short plan in the future that I'll probably still do, but. I think it's also commercial expectation of magical girls mm -hmm. to sort of get into that a little bit. I feel like there's definitely this image of if you're trying to do a webcomic or manga or something of what it should look like, especially mm -hmm. now. Right now, I feel like a lot of magical girl media that comes out is inherently transgressive or tries to be and fails completely. And that's a whole other thing. But like, uh, when you look at stuff like Prilla Magee, which is, you know, a, a magical girl that's based around the myth of Faust, mm -hmm. and you have a bunch of people who watch it, and they're like, oh my god, it's the first time magical girl is, like, violent, and also the first time it's, like, tied to ancient literature, <laughs> and, like, it's a bunch of dudes saying that while they're watching Prilla Maggie, and meanwhile, every, like, woman who's watched Sailor Moon or Princess Tutu is like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> mm. <laughs> they die all the time! What is this? <laughs> I like Prilla Maggie, like, I really like it, but it's definitely this idea of, like, using the aesthetic of the magical world to say something and people think it's like, wow, super dark and deep, it's never been done before, but it's actually an aesthetic like, the dark aspect of a magical role is something that's always been present in magical roles. Like, you think about stuff like Utena, which has that magical role flavor, which is super dark. Hmm. But it's a type of darkness that's really associated to femininity, so it's one that gets overlooked a lot. And oh, yeah. it's really weird, too, because you have stuff in Prilla Maggie that's very feminine it's in its essence. Like, when the character gets mad when men talk about uh, abusing their girlfriends and she kills them in the story spoilers i guess but you know it's this this really feminine energy but you sort of look at it differently because in prilla maggie it's like these two dudes on a train being like dicks in public professionally and mm -hmm. that's why they die but then the presence of this dark femininity is so unsubtle in the series hmm because it's a faustian deal so it's really in your face and the idea of a faustian deal is also, like, Faust is a really masculine story, so it's an interesting base for something that's trying to be so inherently feminine. Yeah. So it's so weird, because you have all these new ones that are trying to be transgressive. Like, I see a lot of pitches for Magical Girl stuff. Like, the pitch is, oh, what if it's Magical Girls, but they're, like, buff dudes? And we've actually had a bunch of anime trying to do that now. Mm-hmm. And... What bugs me isn't that aspect because that's hilarious. Like, amazing. I love it. Yes, thank you, please. But it's like, why are you doing it? Like, I feel like the entire pitch is like, oh, buff dudes, but they're magical girls. And like, okay, but past the gimmick, what are you trying to say? Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's a little empty. It's weird that we're sort of in this area where magical girls are being, like a bunch of people are writing them to be transgressive, but there's no like deep aspect to it. Priyala Maggie is not deep and that's part of its charm and I like it but I kind of feel like it sort of guided magical girls towards that a little bit which I'm kind of sad about because mm -hmm. magical girls have always been gimmicky you know since the very first one it's like I can turn into an adult and you're like cool so like the gimmicky aspect is fine but it's sort of like what does it say 
Because mm-hmm. a lot of the gimmicky aspects are, you know, eventually they sort of get brought to this thematic idea of like something deep they're trying to say. Stellar Moon had the whole gimmick of planets, but then towards the end, you know, every planet has a star seed and every human has a star seed, and we're just all stars in the universe and evil exists, but you can't remove it because it's like part of what creates humanity. And you're like, whoa, okay. Stellar Moon's going far. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have stuff like Perla Maggie that tries to be deep, but that's very surface level because it's the story of romance, you know? But then they never really got to be a romance before, like, the movie. <laughs> hmm. The whole TV series is like, attention, these guys are lesbians, but then they never really do it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Does the gimmick have a thematic point, or are you just doing it as a gimmick? Oh, you know? yeah, like... I was just thinking about it because Puella Maggi works as a deconstruction of the genre, I guess. Like, that's why everybody talked about it. Mm -hmm. But it deconstructs it by using the stuff that's already in the genre. Yeah. Because it deconstructs it by being like, oh, they die sometimes. But like, they're already doing that. (laughs) And I think that was it. Like, it's this sort of aesthetic of like very dark which you know already existed but now they're using the language like it's almost like horror like and it's like oh okay we haven't seen that before and now we have people who just look at the language the visual language and they're like this but with less stuff in it (laughs) it's getting more to that side more and more which goes back to what you were saying as well yeah, they're just like, magical girls are cool now. And you're like, what? They've always been. Where are you going with this, yeah. sir? Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. And I mean, I say this as a, a huge fan of Pirella Maggie. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. I wish they were lesbians earlier in the story. But <laughs> that's my prerogative. That's but fair, yeah. I still think there's this weird movement towards like, ooh, it's dark and dangerous. And you're like, it's already been doing that. Everybody just forgot that Utena existed conveniently. Yeah, that might also have to do with what gets brought over, especially if we're looking at Japanese magical girls, which of course is like the main source of most magical girls. I do think that what actually gets brought over also has a huge effect on what people see. Even in the age of the internet, there's still a lot that doesn't actually quite make it over. But uh, yeah, just to kind of move things a little bit along, I wanted to know a little bit more about the both of you uh, in terms of what magical girls you uh, grew up watching, what you're watching now, things like that. So uh, I don't know if uh, Inez, you want to start? Yeah, I can. I can start. Okay. <laughs> so I guess like uh, Clamp, so Wraith, Magic Knights, and Card Captor Sakura. For some reason, we call it. Sakura card captor over here. I don't know why. It, it's so strange, but mm. that's a big one that I grew up with. There were so many. Even like even older magical girl, like Minky Momo was a big one for me. Mm. Which is really old. I think that's like that's the eighties or something. Yeah, so that's an eighties series. Yeah. But then like there was also, you know, here in Europe we had these Italian comics. Winx Club and Witch, which I also grew up with. I really enjoyed reading them. inspired, yeah. Yes, mm. very much. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to Europe, I know they uh, we got cartoons for it as well that were, I think, big in the US, maybe in other places as well. Oh, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Both Winx Club and Witch ended up very popular in the US. 
yeah, but the comics were really the ones that spoke to me because seeing the art style. Hmm. And also, I was always going to this store. So I was always asking my mom, like, can I please get this? So I would always go home and read it. So that was like my, I guess, European experience with magical girls because other than that, it's usually from anime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Definitely grew up on a lot of the same stuff. I was really into the Sailor Moon manga uh, when it came out because it was one of the first mangas to come out in French. So, you know, obviously I I was reading Ranma one half Dragon Ball and like Sailor Moon. And the Sailor Moon manga is really good. Like anybody who's never read it, who's only watched the anime, what are you doing? It's so good. <laughs> It's actually, I like it so much better than the anime, too. Hmm. Uh, I've got a couple of problems with the anime changes that were decided that I find super weird. <laughs> but I love the manga and then, you know, all the classics. So Magical Ray Earth also, as well, Cardcaptor Sakura, Kamikaze Ketu Jean, hmm. Saint Tail, just uh, all the vintage ones, really. Because it's really funny, and I was talking to Ines about that, but actually in Quebec, they license one of the first magical girls things as an anime i think it's sally the little witch yeah sally the witch is the first animated uh series it kind of depends on how you look at it because uh as far as like what i would call the main pipeline of magical girls then she would be the first yeah yeah she's the first like toy Mm-hmm. money printing magical girl <laughs> they essentially translated her tv series to quebec early on like they licenses they didn't say it was a japanese anime at the time because at the time it was like hush hush no we totally made this like it's not licensed what are you talking about and they called it mini fey and mini fey was like incredibly popular hmm. my parents grew up on it to a point where they would talk about it and still played on tv so i basically grew up watching sally the little witch not knowing it was sally the little witch mm-hmm. until i got into manga and i was like hang on <laughs> <laughs> This is one of them. Um, I actually haven't read or watched any Magical Girl stuff late. Except for the new season of Preaker. I feel like there's not a lot of Magical Girl stuff right now. Like, mm. there's a new season of Magical Doremi, which is amazing. And there's a new season of Preaker, which is always fun. But it's been pretty chill, Magical Girl-wise. Like, um, I don't know if this counts as Magical Girl, but it's like a cute witch, which is also... Sure. Little witch little hat witch academia something like that uh, yeah like they're little girls and they're doing magic yeah yeah i would counts. consider that part of it like if you look especially at the earlier stuff the whole history of the genre is very complicated but um you know very early stuff especially was mostly like more of that little witch type where they're using all kinds of magic every weekend most of it was not for fighting or anything so it's uh it's quite different from how you might picture a magical girl uh, to yeah. yeah, I guess if we're counting that technically as a magical girl thing, then I've been super into that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me as well. The only thing I've been reading, I feel the same way about the, the landscape of magical girls right now. I just don't... It's a bit dry. Like, there's a similar yeah. movie that everybody was like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we all watched it collectively and cried, but... <laughs> Aside from that, it's it's been very quiet lately. 
There are a lot of comics and like novels, but not as many uh, original animations. I think another thing is just a lot of them don't make it outside of Japan. There's also Magical Girl Kudumi, which is online only. And there are a few other online only projects that are like on YouTube. Oh yeah, Kurumi's good. Yeah. The licensing is just not making it. It feels a bit dry. I feel like I haven't seen a good article about a new Magical Girl thing in a while, except Witch Hat at the D, obviously. But that one's always a debate of, is it a Magical Girl story or is it a fantasy story? <laughs> you know, I think that definitely hugely uh, depends on people's own definition of the genre. But yeah, I'm definitely open to that. I haven't actually checked it out myself, so I can't personally comment on it, but I would not have any problem with including it in the genre. (laughs) It counts. (laughs) They're cute and they do magic. Right now, there's also uh, Fairy Ramaru. And I think Blue Reflection Ray might also be getting licensed, but I'm not sure. That's currently on uh, in Japan. And that is adapted from a Magical Girl uh, game. Hmm. There's so many Magical Girl games that want my money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of games like that, to be sure, uh, in, especially out of Japan. So let's start talking a bit more about Trinket in itself. Would you be able to uh, tell us basically what this story is about, as much as you can divulge <laughs> at this point? So I'm not going to go into super detail because I don't want to, you know, uh, give up the spoilers quite as Of course fast. not. We basically have three lead characters. So we have Luana, who is our main character who is a bit of a washed-up magical girl. So in this world, magical girls usually lose your powers when you reach adulthood because the idea is that they're coming-of-age powers. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you're about 22, you're, like, done. <laughs> you're done doing magic. So we've got Luana, who's, like, starting her 30s, and she's still a magical girl. She still has magical girl powers. She's basically one of the oldest in the industry. So she's a little bit in a weird place. I think you'll see that for all the lead characters is that they're all kind of in a coming of age-ish situation, a transitional Mm -hmm. situation between one version of their life and the upcoming version of their life. Mm. So she's sort of wondering, you know, why do I still have these powers? Should I still be doing stuff? What's going on? But she sort of moved away from a direct job approach because there's a magical girl association so now she kind of works as basically someone who watches over newbies when they go on missions and she drives mm-hmm. them around because they don't legally have a license yet <laughs> so she gets assigned this she's not a mentor like she's a babysitter like they have magical girls like ex magical girls who are mentors but she does not volunteer to do this She's not interested in it because she's in this place in her life where she can't really connect to people. Hmm. And she's given this person to sort of babysit that's called Birdie. And Birdie essentially is like a very adorable, fluttery, magical girl who has the power to level a small town. (laughs) Wow. Usually magical girls don't start with that much power. So Luana's like, God damn it, what? <laughs> like, no, I don't want to get involved, but also this is really weird, right? But I don't want to get involved, but also this is really weird, right? <laughs> like, she keeps coming back for that. And mm-hmm. uh, to top it off, Birdie has a mascot 
which is actually really triggering to Luana because Luana actually lost her mascot tragically. And this is mm. also something that has an impact on her. And Pierogi is a really weird mascot. Like, it's a strange animal. He's not really communicative. He's not really sort of matching Birdie. Like, he's creepy. <laughs> Which also makes her feel like this is weird. Like, he has an extra mouth. It's like, what the hell? And, like, the regular mouth on his face never opens. <laughs> so she's just really weirded out by this mascot. But instead of bringing it up to the magical girl authorities like you think she should do, she actually goes to see an old friend called Finch. So Finch owns a cafe and she basically uh, tries to get Finch to give Birdie and herself like a part-time job, but also to sort of help her out figure out this mystery. And Finch is an old villain. So he used to be a villain that Luana would fight. And then they defeated evil together. Like he switched sides, defeated evil together. And then they dated for a while and they broke up. So in the past... (laughs) There is this whole idea, this whole like story and true love conquering evil that's completely in their past. It's just it's not mm. accurate anymore. They are not a romance anymore. They're barely friends. Mm. So it's this idea of like this whole adventure that happens in the past, but that's now weighing on them. Because the thing with Finch is that Finch is actually going to therapy because he's an ex-villain and his powers are based on negative feelings. And he just doesn't want to be that person anymore. And unfortunately, being around people like Luana and Birdie, who are magical girls, kind of brings this part of him back. And part of why he doesn't want to interact with Luana is because Luana's in this transitional period in her life, just like Finch's. But Finch is putting in the work to become a better person, and Luana isn't. (laughs) Okay. So he's like, I can't be around you because you're, like, destroying the progress I'm trying to make. But she's still his friend and they still have a past together so he wants to help when she's like finch this is really messed up this kid is basically a like glitter nuclear bomb (laughs) what should i do and they both end up getting really uh engrossed in this mystery when antagonists show up and a bunch of other stuff show up and they end up in space so there's this whole thing and it's all about sort of who Birdie is, but it's also about who these two characters are. Because as I said, all the characters are in this transitional period of their life. And it's sort of Birdie's willingness to become someone that pushes both Finch and Luana into trying to deal with these emotions they're not trying to deal with. Because Luana essentially is standing in place because it's easier to stand in place than to grow, especially when you're in your 30s, but you're still stuck in something that essentially belongs to and glorifies youth. Mm-hmm. And you have Finch, who is like trying to go to therapy and trying to be a different person. But the issue with fully committing to becoming a different person, because you think that the entire person that you used to be is like bad and you want to be fully separated from that person, is that you're still denying a huge part of yourself. Like him going like, I don't want to connect to my powers at all. His powers still gave him a lot of good things in the past. It made him friends. It made him enemies. It eventually led to a romance that failed, but it still led to like some good things. And him like refusing to acknowledge Luana and refusing to acknowledge this past is also refusing to acknowledge a huge part of himself. So mm-hmm. even a character that's in fiction doing the work that you're like, oh yeah, this character is on the right track is like using caring for himself as a form of denial hmm 
That's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot going on for sure with those characters. But it sounds like you uh, have created a kind of magical girl system in this universe. And then these three characters are kind of all somehow outside of it. They're all sort of trying to be in it. And a lot of the point of the story is that Birdie is tied to the reason we have a magical girl system on Earth. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's about them feeling outside of a system that's been imposed on Earth and discovering that it has roots, you know, like in space with other magical girls Mm -hmm. and discovering what the system actually is. Hmm. So it's them starting out of a system that exists on a smaller scale that's more restrictive to going to space and discovering like, oh, there's way more. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. So they sort of end up in the system later, but it's hard to talk about without going like, so here's the sitch. Here are all the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very cool so far. And again, you know, the art I've seen on Twitter has been fantastic from Inez. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say are the influences? Do you want to take this one, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sailor Moon is a really big one, both, I would say, narrative, but also like visually, I think. I think if you're a fan of Sailor Moon, I think you can see that at least in the designs that I've done. Mm-hmm. It's inspired by other magical girls that I also liked. This is mostly visually, which I can speak for being the one drawing art so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's definitely inspiration as well from Clamp, as I mentioned earlier. Also, Princess Tutu is really great. It's a really good show. But mostly just Sailor Moon. That's what I'm leaning into, which is interesting to me because Sailor Moon wasn't really big for me when I was a kid. Like, I think I was just too young when it was going on on TV. But the visual language of the show stayed with me, just the looks that Naoko Takeyoshi created. And also just, they're beautiful. And also the anime itself, the colors are also really great. Like they did something really good there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until much later that I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's a really good manga. The anime <laughs> has some issues, but overall, like what Naoko Takeuchi <laughs> created, it's great. It's like, oh man, I really dig this. So I think it. we just kind of went there. I don't think it was the intention in the beginning to go there, but it just kind of winded up going to that place i think how do you feel about that isa well star wise is definitely not ceremony also the symbolism because we're also using like planets oh, and yeah. stones and fashion yes uh, which is very now kotakuchi but <laughs> yeah star wise is very Sailor moon because Sailor moon is a lot about space and transitioning from one part of your life to another mhm moon characters are really young i think it's weird to say, but I feel like what kind of inspired the Sailor Moon aspect of this journey for me is definitely like the outer Senshi and Mamoru. Okay. Not anime Mamoru, because that guy kind of sucks. <laughs> He's a weird macho dude. But manga Mamoru is a lot about because, you know, his planet is where stuff is kind of happening. Mm hmm. So he's constantly going like, am I super inadequate or am I like part of this? 
<laughs> is a question that character keeps asking himself. And also the outer senshi have this more like mature feel versus like the more obviously teen senshi. Like at some point the outer senshi go back to school mm-hmm. after they raise the child and <laughs> you literally have Sailor Neptune that's like, I can't believe we're back in school after we raised a child for a few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, my goodness. So sort of the energy that the outer senshi have is kind of like what I was really taking inspiration from. These people who are doing adult things, but they're actually also kind of children. This honestly really works well with what I pitched to Issa because I told her, like, I think the original idea was like, I want this woman. Because usually Magical Girls is with young girls, which works because, again, the themes of of entering a new life stage of growing up works really well with Magical Girls. But I just, I don't think we've really seen someone who is older and that could be another level of interesting because I feel like everybody who has grown up with uh, magical girls is now in their 20s 30s and that could be something that you know you can relate to on that level as well but Mm -hmm. yeah so that to me was very interesting so I think that being inspired by the other sailors who are older I think Speaks they're well. not. They're just yeah trying to be yeah exactly. <laughs> they're not that much. Slight yeah exactly. Uh, Pluto is I guess mm, yeah <laughs> yeah, but yeah. There's definitely this idea of like there's a transgressive aspect to the story because they're older characters, which you don't see as much, at least not in like a parody aspect. Mm-hmm. So the fun part is to have this character that's older that you're like that's kind of unexpected. You have two characters that are older because you have Finch, the ex-villain. You have Luana, the still current magical girl, despite, you know, kind of being up there in the age group that usually does that. And you still have them in the soup. And Hmm. what's fun about it is that, yeah, you have this transgressive aspect that they're older, but the story, the feeling, the messages is like quintessal magical girl it's like the pure essence of magical girl Hmm. and i like the idea of doing something that has an idea that's transgressive but that really sort of commits to the energy the joy and the journey that usually is a magical girl thing Hmm. that makes sense yeah personally i like that (laughs) yeah i would say yeah i think definitely like especially our generation I mean, of course, there's a whole generation of people who watch Magical Girls before we were alive, but there is definitely that aspect, especially on a global level, that I think that a lot of people would resonate with. I mean, I'm 30 years old, so I'm sure I will definitely resonate with uh, Luana's character in many ways. <laughs> yeah, everybody relates to Luana just fishing out like a coffee cup from the dirty sink and pouring coffee <laughs> oh in it. <laughs> Oh, that was that my morning. <laughs> oh, I feel so called out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could see. Uh, I don't want to talk about them in detail, of course, but uh, seeing the pictures of villains from this series, I can definitely see that kind of Sailor Moon inspiration in the design as well. Oh, that's great. Sure. <laughs> oh, the villains are so Sailor Moon. They're like. <laughs> 
compressed down vintage energy and i love them oh, all of them that makes... they're, they're my lesbian polycule and i love them <laughs> that makes me oh. so happy to hear that's another thing like this is funny to me i guess because i found out that naoko takeyoshi really likes fashion which is something I've seen people talk about it, but then you go deep into it and it's like, oh, like you really had some cool inspirations there, which is something I also deeply relate to. Hmm. I think Magical Girls honestly sent me down into the path of just really liking cool designs and clothes. I think anybody can appreciate a, a cool design, but I just sit down and I just look at the sky and I think about clothes for a while. <laughs> I just really, <laughs> I just really, really like thinking about that. That was another level. I just related to it. And I decided I really wanted to bring that. Like Issa is doing all the hard work and making my ideas work and also bringing new, cooler ideas to the table. And all I have to do is sit down while drawing something. And it's just me being like oh, this, this would make a cool dress or man those are some cool pants <laughs> so I was heavily inspired I put so much work into that and yeah it just makes me really happy to hear people appreciate on that level yeah definitely I actually really like that too because I feel like magical girl stories right now they're kind of going a little bit for realism sometimes where it's like oh the costume has to have meaning blah 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 but like i kind of miss the energy of card capture sakura where tomoyo would just make clothes yes because they're cool oh my god <laughs> tomoyo was a an awakening for me like who, here's this very gay character who's just making clothes every other episode and that just really oh that that's who i want to be <laughs> <laughs> I really think Magical Girl is like, yeah, you can be powerful and look cute. And now I have this obsession. So I'm very yeah. grateful. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely like a 13-year-old like kid energy to it. Like beautiful dresses, cool like rocks, gemstones, space, astronomy. <laughs> but that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> It's like the transgressive quality isn't interesting if you don't add a layer of fun times. Yeah. Or lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a great addition as well. <laughs> the two magical girls path. They can either be gay or they can be glittery or both. <laughs> yeah, why not both? <laughs> That's the Sailor Moon way, isn't it? Yeah. It sounds like this is going to be really appealing to people who like... Both things like, yeah, like a Madoka type story, but also still appreciate the original childish qualities of magical girls. Well, what's fun of also having like a bit of a childish aspect is there's older characters, so you kind of expect them to, I don't know, not be a complete mess. Mm -hmm. But they're not, because I remember when I was like in my 20s. And I thought that, you know, one day I would just wake up and, like, understand taxes or something. <laughs> but we're sort of in this time period where, uh, you know, a lot of millennials, they kind of feel like adulthood never showed up. Sure. But it did. Because you're doing all these adult things, like having a job and managing a household and having children and, you know, taking care of things that are alive. 
so adulthood has sort of showed up, but you've never felt comfortable in it. And mm. sort of this idea of having something that has this aspect that's just like indulgence and beauty that's somewhat tied to childhood but then you're like oh but is it really something that you have to let go of is it really something that you can't enjoy is there an age limit on indulgence you know hmm. is a question that i feel a lot of millennials are asking themselves and that's kind of sort of what we're visiting with luana because i feel like luana is trying to sort of distance herself from this stuff because she's like she's the oldest person on this ride right <laughs> she mm -hmm. wants to go off but also what is she if she's not doing this kind of deal yeah that makes a lot of sense so it's this hesitation between moving on and being like oh i must move on from childish things and actually this makes me really happy and i don't want to and also who am i if i'm not this all these layers to that that i think are really fun and actually sort of relates to our mutual experience i feel as well because stuff like comics kind of has that feeling as well Mm -hmm. like comics are often seen as for children mm -hmm. and comic creators are often seen as sort of like playing around yeah i could see that you're doing this as a job and it's a lot of work but people are kind of like oh you're drawing comics for a living that's so cute <laughs> you're like what i think it's very simple but <laughs> it really isn't yeah. it really isn't <laughs> yeah no, definitely not <laughs> it's definitely this idea of like because you're a comic artist you're attached to childish things but like it's it's you know it's a nine-to-five job you're you're working on this this is how you pay the bills mm -hmm. it's like a weird thing how people perceive it and there's definitely also this idea with web comics that like as soon as you're like 35 you're done just leave <laughs> doors over there oh no there's this idea of like it's a youth medium and i think that's why there's always this discussion uh that happens on twitter where people are like oh isn't it weird if an adult makes children content and you're like well who else is gonna do it like, <laughs> <laughs> well that's such a weird idea yeah <laughs> but there's this this strange idea that like there's a childishness to it so that you don't get to come in here if you're past a certain age but you're like but that's how people get good at it if you do it professionally for years mm -hmm. so i think working in comics kind of has that same idea that we're sort of injecting the story that you're mature, but you're in something that people see as childish and you're like unsure which quality of this you're supposed to keep and which you're not. If at all, that is a question or you could just do whatever you want and people can just die mad. Hmm. I did want to ask you a little bit more about the character design. Oh, I'm of course. That you were more behind uh, that. And we can just focus on the main three characters for this, but I'm just wondering about like your process, how you came to uh, design the characters and, and so on. So honestly, I think it's just reached to a point where it's just a lot of things are just very intuitive to me. I just do it a lot. But in the beginning, Luana was the hardest one for me to design because I wasn't sure what her colors would be. And I think having colors pop out, especially when it comes to magical girls, is super important. Oh, sure. And I was really unsure if I wanted her to just be yellow because it's such a nice color or if I just wanted to go the normal magical girl route of like having it pink, which is a really nice color, like the sort of like pinks that they usually use. Wasn't sure of the silhouette either. And I was, it was just um, it's a lot of figuring out and a lot of researching, referencing. I wish people didn't devalue the importance of just 
looking up things if you need help. So I just browsed a lot of fashion collections and I just tried to look at the silhouettes that they were creating and I just saved everything that seemed Magical Girl-esque. And I also think a lot in fabrics. I don't know how to explain that. Oh, sure. I want to capture a certain feeling or a texture. That's what I think about because I think that helps me get the feeling across of something. Hmm. And I don't know. I think that goes more towards the realistic route which I wouldn't recommend it I think you should just have fun with it don't think as hard as I do I just think about this to a certain degree that goes beyond so yeah that's mostly what I try to do I can actually say that for each of the characters I looked up a specific uh, fashion brand more specifically a fashion designer that was Mm. doing work for a fashion brand Nobody has said anything yet, so I don't know if people have noticed, but this is just a funny, cute little thing. But you can definitely tell with the villains that they kind of have like a disillusion to certain fashion brands. So you have Gachi, who just... Uh, so Gachi obviously sounds like Gucci, which is just like this weird thing where I was like, aha, this will be so funny. What if I just name it after Gucci? But also the Portuguese word for cat and I put them together and that's their name. Hmm. And I actually remember saying this to my boyfriend. I was like, do it. This is a great idea. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> And I just kind of <laughs> kept doing that with each one of the characters, just this illusion. So you have Anel, who just Chanel. That was just my own nerdy little thing. So I was inspired by those brands when it came to their on clothes. I don't know if that's interesting or if I don't know how other people do their process, but I just go really deep into things. Perhaps I don't have to. It's like it, it's a little bit too much, but that's just interesting to me. It just makes it fun. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, having that kind of like a, a connection also between all of them together is fun as well. Maybe not everyone will catch it, but if they do, it's like an extra little Easter egg, I guess. So. Yeah, it's yeah, like an Easter egg. And I feel like it's so obvious and I'm just waiting for somebody to say something. It's not even, I, I don't feel like it's that deep, you know, it's that thing like nobody has said anything yet. Is anybody going to say something yet? Hmm. I'm just always looking for excuses to talk about clothes for no reason. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah they're just neat yeah <laughs> and it's really all the villains because uh jasper is jasper Connor, oh yeah fashion designer which is like yeah blazers a club <laughs> oh, okay interesting yeah i'm not familiar with that one they make a lot of contemporary fashion and they did a lot for ballet oh, okay yeah i don't know how to phrase that sentence like he just did a lot for the ballet community <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely specific requirements for designing for ballet so that makes a lot of sense and uh, you've mentioned princess tutu as one of the inspirations so that also makes sense to me yeah (laughs) oh yeah that's actually another thing so for the main cast i was very inspired by birds Mm. because birds are cool and also it just goes back to ballet i actually used to do ballet so it's something that i really still really like and that was another reason why I also really like Princess Tutu. Like, I can relate to this. This could be me if I was a magical girl and I danced. 
<laughs> like it was just that childhood thing, I guess. Um, so for the main characters, I just was very inspired by birds and I tried to bring that language into their designs as well, which I really didn't make it easy for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it when it came to the designs. Hmm. It kind of makes both groups feel really unified, though. Like between Finch, Birdie, and Luana, there's definitely like a bird theme and wings that's present, and the villains, because they're all like kind of dark fashion y, they definitely have that sort of united factor, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm super into it. Every character design that Enos makes, I'm like, yeah! Oh. <laughs> Thank God. She's like my yes man. She's like rooting for me in the background. It's I just <laughs> makes me so happy. I'm so spoiled. Can't do no wrong. <laughs> I definitely also agree that designs are great. I mean, from the first one that I saw, which I think I must have seen uh, a picture of Luana on Twitter, I immediately was like, oh my God, what is this? I need to know more. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Luana's design is the strongest, in my opinion. Like, it fits her character so well because it's got such a vintage look. And, again, she's sort of like an aging magical girl. So for her look to be, like, cool but also a little dated mm. feels really nice. Whereas the villains, they feel, like, very contemporary. Mm. They're magical girls now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. There's definitely... It's a bit, like, especially if you compare it to the modern magical girl, especially something like Precure, it's it's more simplified, but that used to be what was very big, so that makes a lot of sense. It's just about mm-hmm. that balance, I think, because, oh boy, there was so many attempts. Attempts were made for Luana, and I'm just glad that work shows through, because, you know, you don't want it to be too frilly. That's Birdie. She's a bit more frilly because she's younger. The charm of Magical Girl is like, you need something else, like something, an oomph factor, if you will. Because if she's just in a blazer, like in a working suit, it doesn't really speak to the Magical Girl aspect. It's just kind of like, it needs something else here. So it's just blending those two together to make it like, you know, just a balance, I think. There's no better way of putting it. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. We haven't really shown... Finch's costume is, but I like that his costume is also kind of like a bit retro. Like he hasn't worn it in years. (laughs) He has to put it back on. Okay, that sounds very interesting. I can't wait to show it soon. It's (laughs) uh soon. I I... (laughs) he puts it on and he's like, oh, this is way sluttier than I remember. Oh my goodness, (laughs) because it's a villain costume. So. Great. <laughs> it's just Finch and Lana looking at themselves in the mirror like, oh, another day of work, I guess. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely excited to see it. Because that's the thing, too. I, the costumes, they traditionally move up if you have a power-up, but what if you kind of just stagnate? Do you just keep the costume you had as more of a kitty and you just kind of, like, are filled with a bit of regret every day? Because <laughs> that's the thing. Luana's like, pushing the mid-30s and she's got like the tiniest skirt oh Mm. that's on me like they're just flowy shorts but still very tiny (laughs) a little too too much leg there yeah i mean not in a like body shamey way but at some point when you get older you're like yeah "Mm, a lot of my butt is out there yeah (laughs) 
A lot of my butt is just put out there in the world, and I don't know how I feel about that. I get what you're saying. I think everybody here is still young. Yeah, (laughs) but I relate to what you're saying. I definitely feel that on some level already. Yeah, it's sort of like I keep making jokes to my younger friends who are like, crossing the boundary into 30 and i'm like oh not that you're 30 like you can't drink a full soda can anymore you're like oh my god it's true (laughs) and it's like it's little details like that that you say when you're writing a character that's a bit older just the fact that having a short skirt would be annoying not because it's too sexy but just because you're like my butt is cold yeah (laughs) you don't want that anymore my butt is so cold every day (laughs) It's very impractical, you're right. Oh god. If I met Luan in real life, I would apologize. She <laughs> I don't think she would be very much for my design choices. Mm-hmm. It's okay, baby. But yeah, when she's normal, she you know, she's all sweaters. Oh yeah. She's got sweaters and glasses and her magical staff when it's not in use is a pen. Okay. So regular Luana just like exudes I don't want to go out today (laughs) (laughs) pretty much which is fantastic yeah I love all the design workiness has done for that (laughs) and Finch when they're not transformed either you know uh, the general mood is professional cut Mm. very covered and then Birdie is like fluffy in both versions (laughs) Mm, that makes sense Lolita energy so it's really interesting to sort of see the difference between their design as like everyday people and when they have to transform and they have to like this dated costume mm-hmm. they're just like god damn it <laughs> yeah very interesting so you both have mentioned that you have done uh, other works in web comics and uh, I just wanted to ask more about how your approach to Trinket is uh, similar or different from the other things that you have been working on well, I'm not drawing it. So for me, that's a big difference. Sure, yeah. <laughs> for me, I used to have a webcomic that had a um, one-panel format, which, you know, very homestuck. Like, it was very, very popular for a while there. But mm. it just kind of end ended up being a detriment because when you're working on a one-panel format, It just felt like I was working on one illustration at a time. And that should definitely not be your goal when you're working on comics. It should not be each of these panels is a a beautiful painted illustration because I'm mostly just paint. I don't really do line art. I keep getting jobs where they ask me to do line art, which is fair. But it's like, (laughs) I'm very sketchy. Please look at my work. (laughs) But I, I get it. And... I feel like if you have a traditional format, so like, let's say five panels per page, it's easier to kind of look at the whole picture and see what you're doing and be like, oh, I should really not be spending this much time on each panel. But when you're working on one panel alone, you realize that hours go by, at least for me, I don't know about other artists that use the same format, but I definitely felt that. And it was just, wasn't tangible and it just felt more like a storyboard which is neat there's that aspect to it it's cool in that in that way it feels like a a movie almost but it just feels completely different so I just don't want to do what I was doing before so I guess I'm just transitioning to what most artists are doing 
But in terms of new, I just think my visual language, in terms of how I draw, I just tend to be a bit more on the rougher side, a sketchier side. I've seen some comics that are like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love your sketchier style. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Oh, I feel so... <laughs> In my case, I'm kind of switching seats because usually when I work on a comic, I'm drawing it and I'm kind of the lead party. Hmm. So by becoming a writer, I'm sort of shifting into more of a support position. But in an interesting way, because I actually draw like all the comics I've done so far, I've drawn them. I sort of know the limitations of time and the limitations of energy that an artist would have. So I try to do thumbnails considering like what the goals are, how much time Ines has, what are Ines's sort of drawing preferences. Hmm. But it's really interesting to sort of switch seats. And I actually really like the support role because I think Ines has an amazing energy that's really fun to play in. <gasps> so whenever she comes along and she's like, what if we did this in a story? And I'm like, oh yeah, that could work. I want to make it work. It's, it's really cool. It, it's really fun to just sort of be the hype person and the logic person behind something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes Instead sense. of having to think about the art and and what's fun also about just being a writer is that you know the art isn't mine and that sounds generic. Uh, let me elaborate. <laughs> Ines will take things in a direction that I wouldn't take it in sure. because when I write things, I picture stuff in my head because you know it's how writing works. <laughs> 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 but then Ines will draw it in a completely different way than what I was imagining and. The two energies mixing together are really motivating. Mm -hmm. So it's really weird when you switch seats because you have this idea of like, oh, yeah, if I did it, I would design it like this. But Anise is like, oh, this is how I see it. Hmm. And it makes you realize that you're in a support position, but it's really fun. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain. It's my first time kind of doing this. Yeah. Fully just focusing on the writing. So it's a new experience for me, too, because my experience is either... A sort of like the lead artist, co-writer, or mm. artist and writer, or editor, which is a bit more distant than writer. So it's like this in between what mm -hmm. I do usually. But I really like it. I, I've been enjoying it so much, way more than I thought I would. Oh, <laughs> this makes me so happy. Yeah. I honestly feel the same <laughs> way, like exactly the same. Because for the longest time, I was like... I always thought of myself as this person who just wouldn't be good to work with other people. But I think most people think like that to a degree because, you know, you feel very protective of your ideas. That's just normal, especially when you're younger, I feel like. And I just thought like I wouldn't be a pleasure to work with, but I don't want to be that person. And I think it just depends on the person you meet as well, if you're willing to work with someone, because obviously there are going to be people that you're going to meet and you're probably going to be like, I don't think we're working well together. That's just normal. It's like finding a good friend or a good partner, which is something that yeah. me and Issa have also talked about. But I just had the luck and pleasure to find someone that I just work so well with. And now I'm like, oh, so this is what everybody's talking about. Like, this is great. This is fun. That's how it should be. Oh, great. Like, why didn't nobody tell me this is what it was like before? <laughs> and I got to see it, like, first person. Just like, ah, this is very amazing. And, 
we just cover for each other. Like, I feel like the things that I'm the weakest for, Issa can come in. It's like, don't worry, buddy. Like, she pats me on the head. Like, I got this. Like, she puts on <laughs> her glasses. And I'm just, like, sitting there witnessing her. It's amazing. So I also get to learn because I'm still a new leaf. I'm still fairly young in this industry in many ways. So I feel like I'm also learning a lot. So that's great. Like, it's, it's been great on that level, too. Yeah, I feel like because I'm older in the industry, I feel like I lost a little bit of just the pure enjoyment energy. Like you get ground down a little bit. You still have fun, but mm -hmm. you're always kind of thinking about it as work. So the same way that Ines feels that I sort of have a bit of a teacher position, I feel like she's got a bit of an emotional anchor position for mm -hmm. me, which is really nice. Also, to get back to the whole, like, hey, why didn't anybody tell me working in a partnership was really fun? <laughs> I feel like there's definitely this idea in young artists that I've sort of been seeing happening around that if you work in a team, it's because you're not good enough on your own, oh. which feels like a really toxic point of view. Or people who work in team only do it with their romantic partners hmm. because they need a pre-existing solid relationship before they can even consider, like sharing work yeah i feel like this is definitely true to me and i feel like it's definitely true to a lot of other younger people as well but it's it's like it's your baby you, can you trust this person that you don't know uh, i think there's also a little bit of that which then also leads to that sort of toxicity that you were talking about just now isa mm -hmm. but i really feel like I knew immediately from meeting Issa, like, I'm in good hands. Like, there was definitely a lot of insecurity. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, again, I'm very young and I don't have an experience. This is my first time having an experience with an editor and being in this sort of situation, like, circumstance of, like, talking and getting acquainted with how things work. So, you know, there was a lot of preconceptions and, and notions that I was just like, oh, is this person going to care? Which I think everybody thinks a bit like that. But I also think it's very true because I'm so young. I, I had definitely a lot of insecurity where I was like, not only do I think I'm not good enough, I feel kind of inadequate. I also feel like, does this person have their best interests at heart? But, you know, I think that's just normal meeting someone. It's just not letting those insecurities get the better of you. Because now I'm in a place where I feel like we're both our words. Like, I think we understand each other when it comes to the things that should be understood between each other. So we work well now. And I'm just glad that I'm like, yes, I'm so glad I, I made it to the other side. And I was like, I'm glad I trusted my gut. This was a good choice. And I can only speak for Issa because I have direct, you know, a connection with her. But she really had the best interests at heart. It was, it was so heartwarming to see somebody like be so mindful of you and really care and, and really trying to do their best for you. And I think a lot of people have that fear, like, is that person going to care? But I can gladly say that, yes, I, I got really lucky. I got a great person. Yes. Thank mm. you. <laughs> yeah. You're like always wondering, is this person going to have empathy for me and my work and mm -hmm. sort of the emotions I'm putting in there? Or are they just going to treat it like an object or a product yeah. or are they going to connect to it? Hmm. 
Yeah, it's an interesting concern. I actually was thinking about it while you were talking, Ines, but when I partnered up for Namesake with Megan, I was actually your age. Oh. The age you are now. I was 24. And it's really interesting because when I started working with Megan, it was a similar experience where we would talk about uh, the concept of Namesake, you know, before it was Namesake every day and at some point i was like look i can't talk english good at the time i was really bad at it and you're english and you're obviously into this would you like to work with me and megan probably had the same reaction i had which was like yes please (laughs) thank you and i feel so special that i got like i lucked out twice for this i got a first writing partner in megan that it's still a partnership that exists and flourishes today. And I'm getting a new creative partner in Ines uh, now. Like, I locked up twice. I'm the luckiest person in life. Oh. <laughs> uh, That's how it is. You're right back crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like you guys have found a really amazing partnership. And just uh, listening to you both uh, talk about working together just feels very... Uh, moving. I do agree. We need more collaborative efforts. I think, especially as someone who is working solo right now, I know it's very difficult to push through it when you're by yourself, but also just um, generally, it's very important to have other people working with you on a project creatively with storytelling and so on. Um, yeah, that's very weird to me that people would say that about you know working solo as opposed to working with partners because um, I always love to give the example of Star Wars because the Star Wars prequels were more of a solo project from George Lucas and they were not as popular as the original trilogy where he had more people like editing him and so on. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his his wife edited the originals, I think, and mm. made them a lot of what they were. <laughs> to sort of return to the Magical Girl theme too, uh, like... Magical girls work in teams. It's just even solo ones like Sakura has Tomoyo and and Lee and Mm. other characters helping depending on the version you're looking at. I don't know. Working on a team on something that's magical oriented is really interesting and fun. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, most people, even if you watch the same magical girls growing up, you will often end up taking different things from those shows. But uh, at the same time, they're also, of course so many magical girls shows to watch and so on so it's definitely a case of the more the merrier and you're right it's definitely very much just like magical girl series in themselves there's a lot of teamwork for sure yeah (laughs) there's also a different interpretation of what the story is because what sailor moon like what really captured my attention in something like sailor moon that i'm kind of bringing to Trinket is different than what captured Ines's attention in Sailor Moon and that she's bringing to Trinket. Like, mm. what I really liked about Sailor Moon is the time travel and the space travel. Mm. Weird focus, I know. <laughs> that's what I'm into. Mm. When I looked at Sailor Moon, I was like, magical girls can time travel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot more of that than you would expect, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of it. And it's just this idea of like, the idea behind Sailor Moon. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as it's cool. And that's sort of my takeaway. The time travel and the space travel. And also that like space mm. doesn't have to make sense. 
You could just use magic to fly in space to the other magical planet in space. <laughs> sure. Who cares if it's not science? Which is sort of the opposite of sci-fi, because sci-fi yeah. is very, like, often is very, like, hard <laughs> magic. It's not real science, because you can't do most of that stuff in space, actually. But, like, it's trying to be a serious magic fake ideas. But then you have Sailor Moon that's just like, yeah, man, just use your soul to fly in space. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. What what did you take away from Sailor Moon the most, Inez? Um, well, the, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be very shallow, but honestly, they look so pretty. <laughs> they look so pretty. Yeah, um, it, they look, so that was though. definitely, like, as an artist, I think it's just that sort of bird brain aspect to it. It's like, ooh, it's shiny. Uh, like, I'm just so attracted to that part. But also just um, <laughs> the friendship. I like the normal part of it. I guess I, I just like the idea of managing this sort of secret identity that was always very appealing to me because it, it can get you in all sorts of circumstances and it just leads to a lot of interesting moments between characters I feel like and it just really had that appealing mm -hmm. nature to it I think Naoko Takeuchi I think she even said that she was interested in writing characters that she could be friends with and I think it shows and I really like that that's like the realest feeling I want to write characters that are my best friends like, <laughs> oh, me too <laughs> So, yeah, definitely that. Just, mm. they look cute, and I want to be friends with them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you ever read the Sailor V manga, where Sailor V has a huge moment where she has to decide, like, I have to live my life for the princess, and I'm like, yeah, you do! <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never read, was it, I heard it was like a prequel, like it started off as Sailor V. It's a prototype, basically. So it started from Sailor V before it became Sailor Moon. Oh. Yeah. That was the first comic that they yeah. did from her. The first book is like is happening before she started drawing Sailor Moon, but the, the other two books, she draws them while she's drawing Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. Like, the last Sailor V book was happening when she was drawing the final arc of Sailor Moon. So it just gets really good. <laughs> oh. Because Naoko Tekuchi is like, yeah, I've got these themes down. And then she just finishes the Sailor V arc in a way that just destroys your heart completely. Uh, Naoko, it's thank you for the food. We are very thankful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, step on my soul. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, this happens a lot, I think, with comics where there's like this super huge idea that the artist is more famous for, but... If you look back in their history, they have these smaller series that are, yeah, another, like, prototype for that concept. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So I think we are winding down here. Again, thank you both for talking to me today. It's been a really nice long chat. Um, we're down to the final question, my favorite question, which is, if you could be a magical person, what do you imagine your persona would be like? In terms of abilities or just colors? Anything, yeah. Oh, to any degree that you could imagine it. 
I have an answer, but I feel like it's really lame. <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't worry. It's not. I feel like if I could be a magical person, I would want to be able to touch people's hearts. Not literally, like, I don't want to grab a heart. <laughs> but I mean, like, reason with someone, be able to understand them. Just always be able to reach a mutual understanding. That just sounds cool. Listen, you just want to be Princess Tutu. You want to touch people's hearts and do ballet. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> and I look want to look cute in it. Like, that sounds amazing. Just, like, mm-hmm. have a cute dress and just be like, hey, let's not be mad at each other. And then it just works out and I get to have glitter around me. That sounds dope. Yeah, I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> definitely something a lot of magical girls do, even if it's not necessarily their main yeah. powers. They're trying to be peaceful with with their enemies for sure so that makes a lot of sense i think and yeah that's definitely you could be princess princess too yeah Yeah. that would be me you could (laughs) dance every day have a bunch of friends have a cool partner who can change reality (laughs) i mean wouldn't everybody feel more confident if every time you said something glitter would just explode everywhere i just feel like that would be so cool (laughs) (laughs) oh absolutely yeah (laughs) Lisa, do you have one as well? I feel like the kind of, like, if I base my magical girlness on, like, the life path I've lived so far, I feel like I'm the type of person that would love to be, like, the pink hero, Hmm. but would end up as, like, the blue tech magical girl. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Why do you think so? Oh, because that's just sort of the type of life I've had. Like, I've always expected, like, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be this, and then I end up in a completely different position. Like, I went to business school, but I ended up in comics kind of deal. So I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the type of person that's like, yeah, I'm the hero, but then I'm totally not the hero. And I, like, work with computers. <laughs> I want to be the hero that has the, like, pink magical beam, but I'm just going to end up as, like, the water user with the computer. <laughs> yeah. The extremely useful one. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes me think of a uh, heart catch precure. Because that's one where they kind of switch the personality types for the pink and blue characters. Yeah, a little bit. That's definitely the kind of mood I wanted to be a hero, but ended up the tech one. <laughs> but being a tech one is cool, so who cares? <laughs> I live I live in my personal Tron. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, time to send email and there's just a pink beam, like, glitter everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> most aggressive email in the history of emails i actually had like this idea of um i don't know if i ever told you this but just luana sitting in her laptop like managing emails but she's like in her magical girl get up like i just <laughs> i just yeah with like you. a half eating like hot dog in her face or something <laughs> yeah she's like doing her job like oh time to be an adult i guess but she's still wearing her magic uniform and <laughs> She didn't even realize it. Sounds relatable, except sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish. She's about to leave. She's like, oh, I forgot to load the dishwasher. So she's just doing <laughs> that in the full outfit before she leaves. Pierogi is in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The idea of like her uh, answering emails in her form makes me think of that scene in um, Bruce Almighty that's often used as like a reaction gif online. It's uh, Jim Carrey fiercely answering emails because he's <laughs> God uh, and he's answering prayers, but it's like super fast. <laughs> yeah. 
when you use your super strength and super speed to just do daily chores, it's probably the best trope ever. The dream, for sure. <laughs> There's this other Magical Girl comic in Hiveworks, which is Sleepless Domain. Oh, yes, of course. In one of the first chapters, you can see Undine doing the dishes and she's in her full costume because she's using her water powers to do dishes and have them fly into the cupboards and you're like yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) oh i wish yeah or that one scene in sailor moon where in the final series in the anime version where she transforms in a house and her wings (laughs) are knocking stuff over (laughs) yes oh my yes yes that's actually something i remember from the witch comics as well like they would use their elemental powers to do chores that was cool that's what yeah, I wanted to be yeah. as a teenager. I want to clean my room with magical powers. Yes. Of course. Yeah. More time to do things. Sekiret does that a little bit too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not as much as you'd think. Because the clue cards like seems like they would be really easy to use for day-to-day life. But she just doesn't use them that much. Mostly just for fighting. Maybe it's the trauma. Or maybe she's just too much of a good girl. She's like, no, I'll clean like... God intended it. She seems like a very good girl, yeah. (laughs) Sakura definitely puts the rest of us to shame. She's got her stuff together. Yeah. She's already peaked and she's like nine. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Those are very interesting answers. Definitely have a lot to think about. Thank you both again for coming to Sparkle Side Chats to talk about Trinket. Um, So where can people find you online and how can they support this project? In my case, I'm definitely on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and everything else. I'm, I'm basically second Lena on everything. So if you just type second Lena, you find all my identities online. But also, mm-hmm. I, generally to support my half of the project, basically anybody who reads Namesake and could sort of familiarize themselves with the type of writing I do can sort of figure out if they would enjoy Trinket or not before it arrives obviously uh it would not be exactly like namesake because namesake is my voice and megan's voice and trinket is me and anus but it's a good flavor packet (laughs) (laughs) i always appreciate the extra readership we're trying to set up a patreon for trinket though which hopefully will be set up pretty soon yeah hopefully i'm crossing my fingers i'm just working on a couple of things i don't know when they'll be out but hopefully soon yep Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to support me, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr as well. And you should be able to find links to any of those. I think I go by the same name, Inez and Brav. And you should be able to find links everywhere for the different social medias. Yeah, and I'll definitely put links on the show notes as well for everything. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think Hardwin is also, you know, your previous webcomic. Uh, oh, yeah. Though it is unfinished, it still exists, and you can definitely read it, because... Please don't read it. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I'll leave a link just in case, and people can choose whether or not to respect Inez's wishes <laughs> and not read it, or... Uh, listen to Isa and read it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Namesake is still actively updating. It's three times a week. Artwin is unfortunately paused for now. It's taking a nap. <laughs> it's taking a little nap, but, you know, I'm trying to convince Enos to get back to it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll see if I win. She's been leaving <laughs> okay, subtle yeah. signs that I should go back to Hartwin. He is. Yeah. What about Hartwin? What about that? <laughs> yeah. It's me in the background, slowly, like, rising from the behind the couch, like, hey, you working on Hartwin? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we definitely want to get Trinket going first, I think. Yes. It's a nice, relaxing project, and... It's planned as a sort of graphic novelish structure with one or two books, so it's a good short commitment, which hmm. is nice. <laughs> Great. I'm definitely very excited to check out this series when it comes out and any future series you both work on, especially if it's going to be Magical Girls again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, thank you again for chatting with me today, and I hope you have an excellent day. Thank you, Ayumi, for having yeah. us. You're great. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for inviting us and let us basically confess our affection for each other for now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. With Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at twinkleparks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.